Welcome, Cat fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Ryan Gasser. We all received a punch to the gut last week when we learned that the OAC is postponing all fall sports until 2021. We've had a couple of days to unpack the news, but we're bringing interim director of athletics Dixie Jeffers to help answer some questions that you may have regarding the decision, what it means, and what's next. We did check in on men's soccer with head coach Alan Yost, though the timing isn't quite right. We still want to give you an update on what's going on with the Capital men's soccer team. We'll wrap up the show with a special interview with Kelly Bachman, senior women's soccer player and president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Kelly takes us through what SAC is and how students can get involved. Let's get a move on with episode 13 of Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. We're going to kick off this edition of the episode with our regular check-in with Interim Director of Athletics and Recreation, Dixie Jeffers. Coach, every time that we have you on, it seems like we're starting by addressing some not-so-awesome news. No doubt many of our listeners have learned by now that the Ohio Athletic Conference and its President's Council elected to postpone all fall athletics due to safety concerns surrounding COVID-19. Now, there's no doubt many questions, many assumptions, and many opinions out there. So, a quick conversation with you, I think, can maybe help clear some of these things up or at least put a few minds at ease. Can you begin by just giving us an abbreviated look and, and maybe take us through how the info was collected, how it was shared, and ultimately how the vote went down? Well, for the last several months, ever since March has ended and the kids went home because they had to because of COVID, the athletic directors, the, the athletic trainers, uh, our commissioner, the presidents, and our mainly our physicians of the conference have continued to work feverishly to find answers and to give us direction. Um, for the last two months in particular, I have sat on the medical team side of things to listen to the doctors uh, tell us and explain to us and give us parameters to operate through. And we've been writing policy. Our athletic trainers uh, of this conference have been phenomenal with the things that they have come up with to keep our student athletes safe, to continue to drive us back to campus to be able to have fall sports. It was nonstop every week, you know, in and out of us writing, changing policy, adapting. And Dr. Figler and Dr. Janesco in particular has led the charge um, from Ohio State, Dr. Janesco and Dr. Figler from the Cleveland Clinic, who also does the Cleveland Clavaliers has been right in the crux of this, of moving this. And we just got to the point of the last week that the doctors felt like we just couldn't manage to it anymore. With the NCAA coming out and mandating so many tests, with the cheapest test that we have found is $50 a test, it, it just became, is this really worth the safety of our student athletes to try to continue to do this? And so we just hit the pause button be able to um, be rational about this and to protect our student athletes. Um, Franklin County is on an uptick. Um, Columbus in general with Cleveland is on the top 10 list in the country. And we just felt that we couldn't start without being interrupted. And that's just really unfair. And that might more be more brutal to the student athletes to start, stop, start, stop, rather than to have that smooth consistency of we know we're going to play every week. 
Now, many may think that from the get-go, you know, there, there wasn't a chance. Some people believe that, you know, maybe we gave up too early. You know, was there really any chance at playing sports this fall? Or, you know, was it an, you know, even if it was just a couple sports, was there a chance? Or was it kind of the decision being made, it's either all or nothing? We felt that football was going to be our biggest challenge throughout this entire course because of sheer massive numbers, of the sheer contact on the offensive and defensive line of, and so forth. We knew that that was going to be our biggest task to take on. And frankly, we just don't have the finances to protect these kids in that manner. And it wasn't an all or none. As of up to last week, we were still trying to go off with our outdoor sports, with cross country, tennis and golf. And I felt really good that we were going to be able to pull that off. And the doctors just really said, you need to stop. Uh, Dr. Hanline from the NCAA basically came out as early as three weeks ago and said, stop, stop all athletics. We can't control this. And he was speaking from D1 all the way down to D3. And it, it has nothing to do with finances. It has everything to do, can we protect our student athletes? And that answer is no. We felt collectively, especially when our physicians pushed it, that we could not. We often look at the factors that lead into a decision, and, and safety obviously is the number one, but there are others that factor into this. Um, what financials do in some way do play a factor into it, but it wasn't the primary factor, correct? No, we, nobody. I'm still a coach, and you, you want your kids to play their sport. You want them to have that experience. And you, but the bottom line is you also want them to be able to go to classes and to be able to get their degrees. Division three has to take in effect the entire experience. You know, we believe that we can get them to class. We believe that we can have robust conditioning. And in some respects, as a coach, I haven't had contact with my kids and our final four got closed down before it ever went off here in March. I, I think I know what they've been doing, but I don't know because their training versus my training is two opposite ends of the spectrum. And so from this standpoint, I'm going to be able to safely you know, be able to train my student athletes. The rest of the coaches are going to be safely be able to assess and start to train to where we can actually have less injuries then I think we were really concerned about the injuries too. And all studies supported that from a medical standpoint of, of being, you know, when the NFL shut down a few years ago and then they came back, the number of Achilles tendons that were being torn and so forth were astronomical. And we asked Dr. Figler, did that have anything to do with this? And he said it definitely had everything to do with the layoff because of the improper training. So we have to take all those things into effect and. I think people don't understand how, how our lives have been upended and we have worked incredibly long hours to try to do what's right for our student athletes and for each institution in this conference. And it's been collectively hard work and now we have to shift to collectively work even harder to find, to find some equity, which is gonna be difficult for some of our campuses, but we're gonna work hard here at Capitol to find um, every facility that we can. I've already talked to some local people and we're trying to work things out and the administration's on board to help facilitate what we need to be able to pull this off and I feel confident that we can. We're talking with interim director of athletics and recreation, Dixie Jeffers. Coach Jeffers, 
we just want to be unequivocally clear that this is not a cancellation of sports. What exactly are we saying, whether that means for a season or for a particular program? It's a postponement. It's a pause. And um, whether people like it or not, the eligibility is still going to be there for our fall sports. So when we go off, are we going to get a full season like we're used and accustomed to? The answer is no. But their kids will be able to return and that eligibility because of it. And the coaching staff throughout every conference have been involved in this to have a voice, and they have, they strongly supported this model. Now, is everything set in stone yet? No, because we're still working through, as of today, I've just seen things come through of the different models that we're going to be looking at, and we'll be very thoughtful, and we will go through it, and the coaches have had input and we're going to continue to listen to the coaches' inputs because they're talking to their student-athletes as well. Around the country, at all levels, schools and conferences have been adjusting their seasons as well. Did other conferences, especially the NCAC and the PAC, who are right around the corner from us, did their decisions to also postpone the fall impact the OACs? Boy, we've held on. The OAC, it, it drove their own ship. And we were holding on for dear life to think that maybe some different tests were coming, maybe that, you know, the results would start to go down, the virus would start to descend and so forth. We held on for as long as we could because we were supposed to bring football back on August 10th, ask them to start to come back and so forth and to quarantine them down. So we needed to make decisions, and we really held out almost the last minute to be able to do that. So that's what drove our decision was the timing of everything. But no other conference drove this. We drove our own bus down the road, so to speak, and we just couldn't hang on any longer. So for those that are kind of trying to do the math at home, we're talking here in late July. We're talking also about we could have and we're pushing to have football report on August 10th. Some may say, well, you know, there was still time. But the resocialization process that the NCAA has mandated really kind of adjusted the timeline of a decision. Can you talk to that as far as how that resocialization process really pushed the timeline for a decision to be made? As an administrator, I think it's very, very unfair to ask our student athletes to quarantine down 10 days prior to coming here and then to cut it off on them because we're asking them to pause their life to change some things before they come in here. We're still going to ask that before we come back to school on the weekend of the 24th. But it, uh, everything needs to be transparent. And in the times that we're in right now, the more we can communicate and the more transparency that we have, I think it's the best way to lead, and I just don't think we have enough of it going on right now, but I'm going to be very transparent with our student athletes. I'm going to be transparent with our coaches of how we move forward, and this was the best timing that we could come up with, um, that we didn't want to look deceitful. We want to do what's right and let these kids make good decisions based on the knowledge that they have. Now. We say that we're putting a pause on fall sports. They're gonna come back in the spring. We're not sure on the timeline yet, but it will be in 2021. So they're gonna have some extra time on their hands now. 
do you, what are the positives to that? You mentioned that they're still going to be able to train. So what are the positives for the fall sports student athletes to now get some extra time? I think the biggest positive is that they get to move out of mom and dad's house right now. Uh, I know that I've talked to several student athletes and they said, just get us back to campus. Just get us back to campus. And we're doing that. We're getting you back to campus, but we're still going to ask them to do the things that we need to do to stay safe. It's not that we're just going to come back and say, hey, everything's back on. That's not what's going to happen. And that's where the re-socialization comes back into play. So we're asking our kids to reacclimate for 14 days and do nothing except go to school for 14 days. So we're looking at September 7th of us kicking off our robust experiences for all athletes, all athletes, all sports. We're going to kick off with a schedule. There'll be a master plan uh, and we're going to utilize the turf. We're going to utilize every inch of grass that we have right now to be able to do this. And we're going, we have a master plan of, of schedule times and we're going to try to adhere to that and start getting our kids back into their weight rooms after the, the 14 days in conditioning. So for us, for that first 14 days back, we would call that a resocialization. Um, and with phase one, that would be the weight room and conditioning for us. And then as we monitor this from a health standpoint and take temperature checks and, and, and monitor the kids to make sure that everything's safe, we'll start to increase our level, a number of people to be around one another and so forth, and move it through to the point where we can start having bigger contact and get back to some type of form of skill training, still skill training, and get us ready down the road to reach towards January to get ready to go off again. So it's almost like every sport is experiencing their non-traditional season all at the same time. I mean, it obviously will have some, you know, uh, obstacles and challenges as far as scheduling and facilities, but they are going to be able to train as if they were in their off season, correct? It's incredible. They've, the NCAA got one thing right. They gave us 114 days of training, which is more than we've ever had ever as a coach in the contact with our student athletes. And then you utilize our strength and conditioning coaches who are certified. You utilize them, that day doesn't even count. So that 114 days takes place when that head coach actually has contact with their student athletes. So, and that encompasses our tournaments and the NCAA, whatever that may look like for each sport moving down in, in, into the spring season. But that's a lot, a lot of time. And a lot of extra time that maybe even our first years wouldn't even get. So in theory, they come back and when they are ready to play, they're faster, they're stronger, and much more acclimated to their institution. Is it, am I reading that right? You're reading it right. <laughs> and hopefully they're a lot better shape that we can fight against injuries. I can't tell you we'll be injury free, but it's going to help us in that area a lot. So what else needs to happen in order for sports in 2020 to occur? We have to have a campus community buy-in. And it's not just the student athletes. We need the entire campus to buy in and they need to stay out of the bars. They need to stay out of mass gatherings. They need to ha not have huge house parties and they need to get creative because they are college students. I'm not advocating this, but I'm a realist. And they need to get to outside venues and they need to be creative and stay in their own small groups of who they associate with because they've all gotten used to one another and so forth. And we're going to put our student athletes into pods to break this thing through. And I think that's a smart thing to do. They just need to be the intelligent young adults 
that go to this institution that we see on a regular basis. Instead of being, they're gonna to have to be very selfless and give of themselves for our faculty, for our coaches who have some compromised immune systems, for our athletic trainers. If uh, our athletic trainers have small children at home, and I would be very hard pressed and upset to think that we exposed them purposely. No doubt, and the buy-in goes the other way too. We need the campus community on the other side to also buy in so that it stops where it is and it doesn't spread. I mean, this is literally a togetherness. This is literally the cap together hashtag that we've been putting out. And it's gonna take everybody to buy in, just not the student athletes, because if everybody's not doing this, then they jeopardize our student athletes too. So collectively, the community has to come in and buy into this, this future endeavor of ours. No doubt. And having said that, we are expecting to have our student athletes come back to campus. Classes are gonna go off just as they were anticipated and scheduled to, and, and that's gonna be in like less than a month. So how excited are you to see some of the familiar faces of our staff and especially of our student athletes returning? Well, in particular to me, I have Zoomed my kids ever since COVID and I have gotten creative with leadership things and I've gotten them to do little, um, there's quarantined on the island, you're stranded, how are you gonna get off of it, to work together type things. It's gonna be nice, even if we have to go outside to do it, to be able to look at my kids face to face again and it's gonna be hard not to hug them and just to get our kids back to try to get some type of movement on this campus and normalcy and to see kids start to train today, today and tomorrow I'm telling you, is it the answer? No, but it's better than what I've been watching, which is nothing. No doubt about it. Coach Jeffers, thanks so much for providing a little bit of clarity as far as the situation goes for our fall sports and beyond, and thanks for the transparency. I think that everybody can, at very minimum, appreciate that. Well, I appreciate it, and if anybody really has any questions, they can email me or feel free to call me. All right, and if you are looking for more information, you can always go to our athletics website, athletics.capital.edu, where the story of that announcement is uh, posted, as well as some of the FAQs that we have been preparing for to maybe touch on some of the things that we didn't get to touch on this interview. And you can reach those uh, FAQs on athletics.capital.edu slash COVID-19 FAQ. So again, Coach Jeffers, thank you for your uh, insight and your transparency. And we are moving along in our episode of Forward Capital Crusaders on to the next section where we will be checking in with Coach Alan Yost and the men's soccer program. Hey everyone, you're about to hear an interview with men's soccer head coach Alan Yost. We often tape our interviews ahead of our launch date, and this one in particular came just hours before the OAC's announcement to postpone all fall sports. So some of the questions that you hear will seem a little awkward considering the recent news, but we do hope that you still enjoy learning about our Crusader men's soccer team. Here we go. All right, Cat Fam, we are heading back into the fall season, which we were kind of saying that it's going backward, but now we need to be looking forward because fall season is going to be right around the corner. We are socially distanced here with our head men's soccer coach, Alan Yost, now going into his ninth year as head coach of the program. Uh, coach, we're in an interesting spot. It's late July. We should be talking about what is to come, and we've got a lot of ground to cover 
both just talking about what was last year, what was this year. So let's get to it. You know, first and foremost, what's been new in your world? I mean, it's been a minute since we've talked to you. Uh, I mean, I think it's everybody has something new going on. I mean, just dealing with COVID and, you know, your daily lives changing so dramatically. Um, but to be honest with you, it's been good for me. I, you know, got a pregnant wife at home and so I've got to spend a lot of time with her. Um, so it's been, it's been good. Um, I would say that I had a break, but to be honest with you, um, between the U23s that I'm working with, I'm staying active on the club side, um, still getting out there working high school camps and to be able to see how we operate and what we do within COVID um, in sports is I think gonna help prepare us for this year and, and what to expect. And so it's not like I'm gonna be thrown into something new. I feel like I'm already probably farther ahead than most because I've been dealing with it for the last couple months. Well, way to bury the lead, Coach. You're going to be a, a new dad. Give us some details, boy, girl, how girl. far away we are. Girl. So I may, be, I may be taking Augie's job over here soon. <laughs> I'm going to have to switch to the girl side. I don't know if I'd let uh, anybody else coach my daughter. I'm probably going to be the worst uh, parent on the sidelines ever, but hopefully not. Well, I, I already put a display on with my son's baseball team, so you'll have a lot to eclipse that mark that I have set just this past He's weekend. winning, though. I saw he won a tournament uh, yeah. last weekend, right? Yeah, he did, and uh, yeah, it's getting crazy. Travel ball. You know you know how it goes. Oh, Tra yes. Travel sports. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> well, soccer, you know, it wasn't greatly impacted by COVID-19 last year uh, because you were in your non-traditional season, but it did impact your non-traditional season. Talk about how that impact was. Well, the non-traditional season was actually going to be the most not most important non-traditional season that we had. Um, the reason being, we knew the kids that we had coming in were good, the freshmen that we have coming in this year. Um, we also knew we had a couple of upperclassmen that needed to take steps in the right direction. And so it was gonna almost be a, a tryout to see, you know, who are the guys we're gonna count on in the fall? Who are we gonna move forward with? Um, and so in years past where it's, we're just hoping to have numbers, the numbers were there, but we wanted to make sure that we were taking a step forward because in my mind, it was a, a little bit of a disappointing year. Um, there are many factors that played into that, um, both with soccer and without soccer. And so for us, it was, a, it was a vital, but you know, I think the guys overall, even the ones that I didn't know were gonna respond well, did. Um, with the Zoom calls have been good, with the summer workouts have been good. Um, so I'm excited for this year, you know, I'm hoping everything goes off without a hitch. Um, you know, knock on wood, but you know, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. You did get to see them a little bit before the shutdown last yeah. year. So of what you did see, uh, who was someone that was upward trending? Uh, you know, I think it was some of the players that we knew and who performed well in the fall did very well over the winter months with the futsal and the strength and conditioning program. Um, but we also, you know, for the first initial practices, we saw uh, Mitch Hughes step up to the plate. Mitch Hughes was new to the program, uh, transfer from Bowling Green State University, played for uh, a former coach of mine, Eric Nichols at BG. And I actually coached Mitch in club and was part of the team that won multiple state cups, won regionals and uh, won national league. So I knew what I was getting before he came here. He just, I think the difference here versus at Bowling Green was he was kind of forced into a leadership role because of his ability. 
Um, and so I thought he did a good job kind of running with that, organizing the futsal, uh, making sure guys were attending things they needed to be attending to become better soccer players. So I thought, he, you know, he did really well. Uh, another transfer from Wright State University, um, his first year with us, Bailey, uh, did, a, did a very good job for us as well, kind of stepping in and helping out. The one who was on the team that I felt like really did a good job developing and we're going to rely on a lot this year. Um, is Geddes. Geddes, uh, you know, was awesome. Um, he's a kid who we knew coming in could see time off the bench. Um, this year he saw even more time as a sophomore, and next year it's going to be hard to take him off the field. So there's a number of guys there. I think the issue we run into is uh, the size of our roster, and the disparity drops a little bit, but I don't think that's, you know, any different than any other program in the country. Now you mentioned that there were some things that you wanted to improve upon. Maybe give us one or two of those things that you hope to see improvement upon when you enter the 2020 season. I think mental toughness is the biggest thing. Um, I think, and, and, and I hesitate to complain about this because I think it's natural, but as a coach, I'm going to. Complacency, it, it becomes an issue. When you are used to having success, you think that it's just gonna continue. And the reality is the success was formed through hard work. Um, we laid a foundation where we had a blue collar mentality. We were workers, we would grind out games and there was fight, grit, and, and a, a never say die attitude. But this year, I, I, I think losing somebody like Chewy Gordon, um, you can't have that mentality. You almost have to take a step back and say, now we have to work harder. And I'm not sure if we did that. And that's not a knock to any one person or group of people. It's just the reality of what happened is we got, I think, got a little big for our britches, so. We're talking with Alan Yost, men's soccer coach here at Capital University. Uh, we're gonna take a step back away from the pitch and just you know, ask you, how, how has your summer been? I mean, I know that you said that you've been involved in the club side. You might've been able to do a few things recreationally. What's the summer been like for you, especially in this new COVID era that we're in? Uh, it's been, you know, trying to learn, trying to grow as a coach, seeing an opportunity for time and using that time efficiently. Um, you know, I started off with a lot of golf. Obviously, I found out I was wasting time with that. So, um, you know, it's downloading a lot of books on tapes. It's learning uh, from different people in different industries. You know, a lot of the topics I've been dealing with is the mental toughness, knowing that's an issue we have to conquer this year. So, you know, downloading a bunch of Dan Abrams books and hearing his side of the stuff. And he's a guy who worked with professional golfers and where the mental game is everything to, you know, moving on to professional sports teams specifically um, with, within soccer. And so, you know, downloading some of his books, hearing what he says, how he operates, what he does, changes my approach because um, it's very easy for a coach to expect someone to just be mentally tough, but to see why and how somebody can react to certain s sayings, um, different situations, I think is, is important because not everybody is the same. So doing that, um, continuing with the coaching with the U23 program that we have, we have uh, 12 of my D1 players that came back for the summer months to prepare them for the college level. Unfortunately, a lot of them, their seasons are canceled. Um, so now the U23 program, it, we're probably gonna extend a little bit longer just because it, they're not being forced back to school. Um, we got a couple other guys in the area that have gone through the club that are, I'm working with as well, but it's nice to kind of rekindle that relationship I had with my former players. For personally, you know, tried the golf game, wasn't great. Um, you know, it's hard to have too much of a social environment when 
you're trying to stay secluded, especially in a situation I'm in with a, with a pregnant wife at home. You know, I don't want COVID to be in the house. And so we've been just doing our best to, to stay safe and, you know, just work on the garden. My lawns never look better, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's been tough, it has, but it's been, it's, it is what it is. It, we've made the best out of it. Well, there's mental toughness for the team and then there's mental toughness for the individual, which we all have to conquer as well. Correct. Now, you're a, you're a twin. Correct. <laughs> so, you know, I'll go ahead and say that your, your twin is an identical one because I've even mistaken him at, at golf outings that we've had in the past, and that's how I got educated on this. And not only that, but he, your twin played soccer at Capitol. So what's twin life like when you, you know, have to battle the identical twin issue and you two were also battling on the soccer pitch together against, you know, against rival schools or, you know, you being from Ohio Wesleyan, y'all met up a couple times, so. Yeah, uh, in college playing against my brother was, was easy. Um, it was actually probably harder playing with him in high school because all we did was yell at each other. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was at Ohio Wesleyan, um, Capital didn't have the program it has now. Uh, so it wasn't too much of a stress or anything like that. But I do remember coming and watching him play a couple games against some of the OAC teams that were, were good at the time with John Carroll and Ohio Northern. Um, he came to a lot of games. So, you know, it, we still remain close throughout the college years. Um, he's well overdue for his alumni dues if he's listening to this. He, he, I'm, just, I'm just adding interest at this point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been great, you know, as far as developing a competitive spirit, having a twin brother, there's nothing better for that. Um, it's been good. I have seen him, you know, we try to keep a close bubble with who we're hanging out with and what we're doing. And it's, it's hard to eliminate family. Um, in fact, I was over there last, this past weekend, uh, for my niece's uh, birthday party. So that was fun. So we ha still have been able to hang out. If you saw him on a golf course, it's easy to tell us apart because I am far better than he is on, on the golf course. Although he did spend one year at Capital on the golf team, and I think he did it just for the uh, Florida vacation to go and play some free golf. So <laughs> He's a smart guy then. <laughs> I, yeah, he is smart. <laughs> now, you also learned your game from one of the best, legendary national champion coach Jay Martin from Ohio Wesleyan. What's been a piece of advice or something that he taught you that has stuck along the way? Uh, everything. He's taught me everything. I think the biggest thing is to just stay humble, um, focus on teaching, um, focus on the process, and just know that the outcome will, will happen. But th there's a way to go about that, and you have to do it the correct way and trust the process. But there's so many lessons he's taught me. I mean, he, well, I know a lot of coaches. He is the best coach. Um, and he's the best coach in many different areas. What makes him a great coach, though, is he's a great teacher. And so the, I think I learned more in the locker room um, and what prepared me for life after college uh, than I did in the classroom. And it, that speaks volumes for who he is and what he's done. And um, yeah, I mean, basically everything I do and a lot of the decisions I make, I will think back, you know, what would Jay do in this situation? How would he handle this situation? What is he looking for? Even um, the kids that I coached in club they, that went to Ohio Wesleyan this year, they got two D1 transfers coming in, one from St. Louis and one from West Virginia, are both kids that I coached. And um, probably not a good sign they're not transferring to Capital. I must tell you something about me. But they, you know, even those guys who, that when they transferred in during the spring and the short time that they have, and even the guys that I sent that went straight away to Wesleyan say how similar our drills are, how similar our uh, communication is, and um, so I think that made their transition a little bit easier for them. So 
um, if they're comparing me to Jay, that is a huge compliment. Well, and if you want to learn from one of the best, come over here to Capital and uh, <laughs> get your tutelage from Coach Alan Yost. Now, you and Jay have had some pretty intense battles on the pitch since you've taken over here at Capital, and, and you've had a couple of big wins over Jay, especially when he was nationally ranked and the battling bishops as well. So uh, what are those kinds of conversations like after those wins, and does it make it a little bit more sweet? I think every year is a different conversation. Uh, you know, this year, you know, we tied them, but to be honest with you, we played them to tie them. I mean, they, they their field is difficult to play on. It's a tough atmosphere because of the crowd. Um, we had, you know, some injuries. We lost Tristan and we lost Jamie, um, two of our, you know, powerhouse forwards. So going in there, you know, you go in there thinking you're going to win. Uh, you, you're either really confident or you're ignorant. So for us, it was to keep it as close as possible. A tie is as good as a win when it comes to regional rankings and getting an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament because they are always going to be in the top five in the region. And so that game mattered, not necessarily to win, but just to get points out of on the road. So, you know, after the game, he had said that this was one of the worst teams he had coached. And it's because they had played, I think, three of the top 10 teams in the country already that year. Um, they also had some ties underneath their belts and they were struggling to score. Um, but I knew the players they had on their team. I think I've coached 75% of the kids on, on Ohio Wesleyan's team. So I knew what he had. I knew he was being a little dramatic, but that's what we do as coaches, right? So I knew he was in a good place. And, and to be honest with you, it was more of an apology for me of, you know, this is not the way I want to play. This is not how I want to play. But he understood. He knew. I think he was, um, wasn't was disappointed in that I decided to play the way I did. I, I think he got it and was actually probably in a way complimentary of it. And in years past, you know, like when we had Chewy, there was no sit back. And, and wait for them to come after us. It was, let's go after them. Let's you know set the tone. It's a home game. So every game you approach differently, but when you have somebody like Chewy, you go after it. Uh, I mean, even since year one, and this is it's funny, one of the most memorable games is a year after they won a national championship, we tied them at our place um, and they were very good. And we arguably could have won that game. I remember, I won't say the individual's name, but if he's listening, he knows who it is. Missed a, a corner kick inside the six and somehow missed a goal. I think it was harder to miss than to actually score. But, you know, I think we've had a really good record against uh, Jay, against Ohio Wesleyan, and it, it's added to uh, a new rivalry, which I, I think is healthy, which is good. But, no, every year is different. Every conversation is different. Um, you know, I think I have an advantage over some coaches because I know so many players on the team. Um, I'd like to tell you I know what Jay's going to do and everything like that, but I don't because he's such a good coach. He's always two steps ahead. You just hope to to get lucky. So We're talking with head coach of the men's soccer program at Capital University, Alan Yost. Let's go back into more Crusader soccer and, and talk about the upcoming recruiting class. Your first years are about to report here in a little bit, and so talk about that incoming class if you can. I know you don't like to give up too much, but give us a, give us a little bit. Uh, you know, we had holes we needed to fill, or at least question marks, where we needed to uh, turn into exclamation points. And I think in the back line, we've done that. Alex Moore coming out of Cincinnati is big body. I think he's 6'2", six six, yeah, probably 6'2". Um, you know, he's ready physically as a freshman to step in and help the back line. Uh, another player, Jared Puckett, which I coached against 
in his junior, actually sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school for club. Um, his club team was really, really good, coached by Kirk up at Toledo Celtic Club. Um, he's going to be really good for us. I think he is probably coming in and, if not starting, at least pushing the starters and, and going to see time just because injuries are going to happen. Um, but between Alex and Jared in the back line, we're looking good. AB, also another you know center back who can come in and help us. Um, we just had an announcement today that Jack Francisco, an incoming freshman, received All-American awards through Top Tour, Top Tour Soccer. So, you know, huge accolades, which is nice because that's the, I think, second All-American I've gotten in the last three years, which is hard to do at Division III. Um, you know, a lot of those kids, uh, you know, we're having to compete with Division I schools. And so I think we've made enough of a name of for ourselves and a program that we have to where, you know, we can get some of the top talent in, in Central Ohio and in really anywhere in the country. So I'm really, really excited about the freshman class. I think we're going to be good more so I'm probably more excited about those guys that were freshmen last year and even those guys who are returning who are going to allow us to have a very, very solid starting 11. And even, the, you know, the next five off the bench, we're going to be pretty deep for, uh, you know, a team that has lost a, a big group of seniors. No doubt about it. I can't wait to see them out on the pitch. And, and in speaking of some of those seniors that we've lost, and, and not even just this past year, but in recent years, we've been spoiled with players like Greg Knox and Chewy Gordon. So who is the go-to player going to be this year? I think the difference between this year and the years past is it's not going to just be one. I, I think we finally have now a group of five or six guys who are going to be able to bring, uh, you know, the, the team a, a result. So, you know, whether it's Sam Spurk, another high school All-American who's, you know, going into his junior year, who is extremely dangerous getting in behind defenses, you know, supplemented with an incoming All-American uh, is going to help. Then you bring back Jamie, who Jamie last year tore his ACL in a scrimmage against Oberlin at Oberlin. And then, so he missed the entire year. And then you got Tristan Bentley, who broke his jaw in our uh, winner against numbers, I think they were number seven in the country at the time, Case Western Reserve. Um, so, you know, to be able to have that type of power, firepower up top is fantastic. So um, I think the difference is we'll be more well-rounded, um, we'll be better for it. We do have some goalkeepers coming into that um, was a question mark for us when we lost uh, Kyle last year um, due to injury. We were kind of scrambling to figure out who's the next best, what do we do, how do we operate. Um, and so I think bringing in, you know, two, six, four goalkeepers this year uh, changes that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's the depth and overall talent pool that's going to allow us to have success, not, not one individual. So that's a good thing. Absolutely, and if you you mentioned a couple of games and a, and a name in there that if you go to athletics.capital.edu, you'll notice that our top moment number two of 2019-20 was that game against Case Western when Sam Spurk, the man you just talked about, hit the game winner in overtime to send off the number seven Spartans out in defeat. So uh, we'll be looking forward to replications of that scenario as well. And if you want to see the top moments, go to athletics.capital.edu, where we'll be uh, announcing the final ones this upcoming coming uh, week. So, uh, you know, teams change from year to year, coach. What is the identity of this team going to be? You mentioned that there will be a few more players kind of feeding into this year's strategy. So what is the identity going to be? 
Identity is tough because I don't think identity is created by a coach. I think that identity is created by the players. I think they have to create their own identity. I think I have to support them in that venture. But there are minimum requirements to play here and in the non-negotiables. And that is you have a blue collar work ethic, um, you're fit, um, and you have a competitive nature to what you are doing. I mean, that's just kind of sums me up as a who I was a player. It wasn't matter. It wasn't a matter of, you know, loving to win. It was a matter of hating to lose type deal. Um, so, you know, that comes through the competitive games of preseason, preseason, you know, how we set up our training sessions, um, the rewards for the winners, you know, the, the, in quotations, you can't see me, the punishment, if you will, for the, the losers. But, um, you know, Every year, well, the two years, I shouldn't say every year, like we've done it more than twice, but the two years that we've gone to the NCAA tournament, our identity was completely different. Um, so there's no wrong way or right way. It's just the fact that everybody buys into it. And so I think part of that will be talking with leaders, talking with returners, um, evaluating the preseason and kind of seeing, you know, what do we have that's special? Um, and how are we gonna bring it to the table each and every day? And then just making sure that when we set goals, the goals are set around you know what we wanna be as a team, so. All right, coach. Well, we are here with the men's head soccer coach at Capital Allen Yost. It's time for our hot seat. So we're gonna okay. give you some quick hitters here and you're gonna okay. rapid fire me some responses as we get to know you just a little bit better. So uh, who is your favorite athlete growing up or currently? <sighs> <laughs> Sport does it matter? Nope. It doesn't uh, Nolan Ryan was probably my my favorite. Uh, my father owned a baseball card shop. Um, first time I ever saw my father cry is when we told him we were gonna, you know, I was gonna go with wrestling and with soccer and and we were gonna give up baseball. Um, but Nolan Ryan, growing up, I, I enjoyed watching him. Bo Jackson has to be up there because he, you know, was in in my opinion, undoubtedly, still was and is the best athlete to ever play any sport. Um, you know, Michael Jordan. So the list goes on and on, but those are just a few. Who are the sports teams that you typically follow? Uh, I, I grew up a Pittsburgh fan for everything, but I'd be lying saying if I was a Pittsburgh fan anymore. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed watching Lemieux and uh, the Penguins. Uh, you know, I couldn't even tell you probably five people on the Steelers anymore. So for me, you know, those are the teams I follow growing up, following teams anymore. I, I used to be, you know, set on Barcelona and Liverpool and Bayern Munich, but now I'm more interested in the managers than I am necessarily the teams. As long as there's good soccer, I'm happy, so. Okay. How about favorite sports movie? Favorite's probably Tin Cup. I think Tin Cup is awesome. I love Kevin Costner. I thought that movie was fantastic, and uh, it was good. I mean, I would throw in Major League in there as well. I probably shouldn't have been watching it at the age I was, but another <laughs> great movie. What other sports did you play growing up? I was a, I'm always a much better wrestler than I was soccer player. I placed nationally three times in Greco freestyle and Sambo wrestling, wrestled in 32 different states, uh, you know, had scholarships to Big Ten schools. Uh, it was a situation where it just, I did too much too soon, um, but I was always a much better wrestler than I was a soccer player. But I did baseball, um, did golf, did, I basically did every sport under the sun. The things that we don't know about Coach Yost, nationally ranked wrestler. Wow, all right. So if you weren't a coach, what would be your dream job? Oh man, uh, I don't, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. Fair enough. If you had to pick one area or non-chain restaurant that you'd recommend to people around here, what is it? 
a non-chain restaurant. Yeah. Oh man, uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I eat in too much. I don't eat out a lot. Uh, <laughs> let me come back. Let's come back to that one. Can All I right. skip that one? Yeah, you can skip it. We'll right. come back All around right. to All that. Right. What are you binge watching right now? Uh, <laughs> on the golf channel they're doing uh the series on all the legends so anybody who's won a major um they're basically doing a series on them so you know watching jack uh which just hosts a couple tournaments here in columbus is, was interesting watching rory tiger phil just getting their perspective of how they prepared how they progressed as players in sport um, I always think it's interesting for a golfer in their evolution, especially considering how long they're able to play the game. So the growth is is so dynamic in, in their field. Uh, but you are seeing now younger and younger golfers performing at a higher level than ever before. And I think that's interesting because of the teaching and when, where they are in the game. So, Favorite musician, artist, or band? Oh, boy. I don't know if there's just one, probably Stevie Ray Vaughan and half the people listening right now has no idea who that is, but um, I like the, you know, jazzy, bluesy type music a lot, so. Who was the better soccer player, you or your twin brother? Uh, it's not even a question, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back to the one about your favorite uh, restaurant here in the area. Oh, in the area? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Piata is a chain restaurant, so I can't use that. So um, I'm going to say Anthony's. That's where I met my wife. Uh, so I'm going to say Anthony's, although it's not what it used to be. It's it's still got a special place in my heart. So Smart answer. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. I'm going to make sure I forward the link onto my wife. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, what is your favorite thing about Capitol? For me, it's a history and tradition. My parents went to Capitol. They met here. Um, my twin brother came to Capitol. My cousin came to Capitol. I actually grew up on the campus. Half the stuff that happened here when I was, you know, anywhere from 12 to 14 was probably because it was me and my best friend that lived uh, on Cassingham. We'd come down here and, and cause havoc. So um, <laughs> we were we were probably doing stuff we shouldn't and breaking into places we shouldn't just to play sports and 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 hang out and have fun. So I think it's just kind of the tradition that that I've, I've had uh, since I was very very young. Very good. You've been hearing from Alan Yost, head men's soccer coach, entering his ninth year with the program as we have been checking in on the men's soccer program here at Capital Coach. Thanks again for taking the time. We certainly learned certainly learned a lot about the program and probably even more about you today than we've <laughs> I've known in the last six years of knowing you. So this has been good. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. All right. Stay tuned, everybody, as we roll along in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Cap fam, it is time now to do what we're going to call a little bit of a hybrid feature. We took a little bit of a break from featuring certain groups or certain people and the things that they're doing, and we're getting right back into it. And so we thought, what better way than to introduce maybe one of the not so well-known factions of Capital Athletics. And it actually doesn't have anything to do with the staff or administration. It has everything to do with the students and how they govern Capital Athletics and contribute to its progression as well. So to do 
we're going to introduce to you the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, or otherwise known more commonly as SAC, and we're bringing in its president, Kelly Bachman, a senior from the women's soccer team, to talk a little bit more about that. So, Kelly, first and foremost, uh, tell us how your summer's been going, what you've been up to, and any cool stories or experiences so far. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on here. Um, my summer's been going pretty well. I've had to adjust quite a bit. I was originally supposed to work at a summer summer camp that got canceled due to corona, um, which I think was the right decision. But So that kind of made me looking elsewhere to, for what to do during the summer. Um, so as of now, uh, all that I've really done was kind of continue any kind of academic stuff that I've got going on and I actually took a trip up to Wyoming which was pretty cool and I got to tour some local parks and went up to Yellowstone which was super pretty and I highly recommend to anyone who hasn't done that yet. Well it sounds like you tried to get as far away from all of this craziness as you could did you did you feel like you succeeded in that by going up to Wyoming? (laughs) A little bit a little bit um their population is so small that really corona hasn't really affected them a whole lot um so there are definitely things that we would commonly see in the columbus area that just weren't really a thing in wyoming which was kind of nice so it was nice to take that breather and chill out a little bit all right i gotta ask what was your favorite part about yellowstone Ooh, um i really liked the colors that you saw um I mean, you see colors from like everything from like the waterfalls to the mountainsides to the geysers. Um, There are some pretty crazy colors that I got to see all around Yellowstone and the wildlife was really cool. Well, way to make me jealous. Thanks (laughs) a bunch. (laughs) So now you're back home. You're in Zionsville, Indiana, which, as you told me, is kind of on the northwest side of Indianapolis. Um, We'll get to that in a little bit here, but first I just want to kind of do a little bit of a a preview. Um, You know, fall is right around the corner. I know we're sitting here in July, but it'll be here before you know it. We're planning on having a fall season here in CAP Athletics, and Capital University is planning on having everybody back on campus for classes. How are you personally preparing for both your athletic and your academic pursuits? Well, um, my coach has already sent out our strength and conditioning packets. So uh, that's definitely been a lot of fun doing those. Um, and then, so that's been taking up kind of my sports, getting prepared for that. And then for academics, um, I've been studying for the GRE. I got to take that. So that's kind of, you know, not as much fun. Um, and actually recently I just submitted a case study presentation for the National Athletic Training Association. So we will be doing that here pretty soon. Well, now, you know, you kind of went to Wyoming and you had your your fun and and you had a good time exploring kind of a more spaced out environment. You're back in somewhat of a metropolitan area. You know, what has been the biggest challenge in navigating all of this between staying safe and prepping for school and just kind of what life has dealt us all here? I would say the hardest part is probably adjusting to the new norm. Um, There are a lot of things that my family and I, we would do without sort of realizing that we did things that don't work in today, like don't work now. 
um, for instance, like we would just be out and about and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, let's go to, you know, a restaurant or something. And then, you know, we show up and we're like, oh my God, wait a second. We can't do that because all the restaurants are closed or, you know, you have to make some sort of reservation. And we're like, okay, we can't be as spontaneous as we usually are. So we actually have to think through our planning. Um, so that was definitely one that snuck up on me. Um, another big adjustment was probably you know, not having sports, um, you know, sports to play and also sports to watch. Um, cause usually, I mean, if I'm not really doing anything, I, I might watch TV. Well, there's nothing to watch because there's just no sports on. So I was like, I was really bored. I was kind of tapping my finger like, okay, what are we doing? So. Yeah, I, I feel you 100%. And the spontaneity is a really good point. There have been so many times that I've wanted to take my son to Chuck E. Cheese, but I don't have it in the heart in my heart to tell him that's not an option and maybe not an option for a very long time. So uh, I I completely understand that. Um, We're talking with Kelly Bachman, women's soccer senior, uh, the goalkeeper for the team uh, out of Zionsville, Indiana, and also the president of the student athlete advisory committee, which is the real reason why we wanted to talk to you, Kelly. You know, you're the president of the organization SAC Student Athlete Advisory Committee. It's one organization that every school in the conference and around the country have at all three NCAA levels. So first, tell us, uh, paint it with a broad picture or a, a broad brush. What is SAC? So SAC on a very basic level, if you want to look at our primary purpose of why we were created by the NCAA, was to advise the NCAA on their legislation that they come up with. So how they have it structured is any sort of legislation that comes out, they usually will present it to the student athletes themselves. And so they start very broad that it goes to every campus. And so us as SAC, we will receive that legislation and we will then take a vote as a student athlete body on our own campus and come up with a decision of whether we like it or don't like whatever this legislation that we're talking about. Then we will go to our conference SAC and we'll present them with what we have gotten from our own campus. And then based on all of those um, kind of decisions that we make um, based on the voting, they will then come up with like the conference decision of whether they do or don't like the legislation. And then that then gets brought to the NCAA themselves and they take a national vote. So it's really to ensure that every athlete has some sort of say in whatever legislation that they create. And this happens certainly on a national level as far as legislation that gets passed. But are there other levels of legislation that can get passed more locally, i.e. at the conference level or even at the institutional level that SAC at Capitol has its hand in? Yeah, so the conference and the and Capitol themselves are very able to present any sort of legislation to SAC, our SAC specifically. Um, and they can get our feedback. That is definitely a possibility. And I'm, oh, the OAC has um, done that in the past. So can you talk about some of those things? I mean, you've been involved in SAC uh, throughout your athletic career here at Capitol. What are a few of those things that you've been a part of um, that have led to maybe some change um, at the local level? Um, one of the ones that I can remember that happened here recently um, there are two of two legislations. One was kind of 
borderline whether or not we liked it or not. And the other one was pretty obvious. The first one was that I can remember was talking about soccer and the NCAA was playing with the idea of extending the preseason dates. So making our preseason longer. And the idea behind that was to allow for athletes to acclimatize to the environment better. And so it's not as rushed. So it basically keeps the athletes safer. That's the idea. Um, and so, you know, capital would take that vote and then we'd bring our vote against the OAC and then the OAC would bring it to the NCAA. Gotcha. I don't believe that legislation passed, um, but I would need to double check on that. The other one that we had to vote on was whether or not coaches were allowed to give student athletes snacks. So if, you know, you're on the bus traveling, if, if the coaches bought like granola bars or anything, we were voting if, if that would, that would be allowed. Um, and this was something that a lot of coaches have been doing already. Um, little did they know that it was actually against the rules per NCAA. And obviously that legislation passed with ease because a lot of people were in favor of it. Well, and who doesn't like snacks? Exactly. <laughs> so, and you know, SAC isn't necessarily just about legislation and, you know, we're, it feels like we're having a, you know, social social studies class or something here. And it's not all about that. SAC does a lot more than just that. They are very involved on their individual campuses. Um, how has that been uh, for Capital SAC? Yeah. So um, again, the legislation is very much like it's a primary purpose, but it's very much a small piece of what SAC is. Um, our biggest, what we have our hand most in is trying to engage student athletes um, whether that's getting student athletes out to other people's games, getting them out to um, other campus events, whether that be in the arts or in the musics, um, anything like that. We really want to create a good experience for the student athletes. Um, because if people have a good experience, obviously, you know, one, our student athletes are really happy with their decision to come to Capitol, but also, um, you know, who doesn't like it when recruits come on campus and our student athletes are like, oh man, you, you got to come here because here's A, B, and C of what, what's happening. And, you know, um, and you create that family environment where you really feel like you're belonging to something um, bigger than yourself. We're talking with Kelly Bachman, president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee and senior goalkeeper of the women's soccer team. Uh, Kelly, let's go back to maybe some of the governance and the legislation. Uh, obviously, when you do this, you have to have some planning involved. Um, maybe what are some of the short-term goals that since you've uh, elevated into the presidency that you have set aside for SAC for the upcoming year? Um. Yeah, those, so some of the short-term goals that we have, um, we put on some events throughout the semester, uh, again, to engage student athletes and to also give back to the community. So we have two events coming up this semester that we're looking into. Um, we have our dodgeball tournament and we have, we're gonna, we're calling it the softball fight. So it's kind of a play on a snowball fight, but we're asking for people to bring socks in. Um, and we'll use those as like our, our, our snowballs. Um, so that's one of our great ways to give back to the community and get people engaged. We also do, we collect pop tabs, which is a very, very heated competition on campus. Um, the team who is able to collect the most pop tabs will get an award at the end of the year. Um, and it, it, you know, it gets really competitive 
women's basketball has won it the past couple years, and so everyone's trying to beat them. Um, and then also we just want to get athletes to games. That's really a big one. Well, I got a big stash of pop tabs for you. Don't ask how I got them, but uh, you can consider that the sports information donation right there. Well, feel free to donate that to women's soccer. <laughs> okay, I will have to maybe I, I can't split my allegiances here. I got to work for all 20 teams. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so what kind of long-term goals does SAC have and how far out are you, um, you know, planning things, especially considering, you know, your presidency's one year, you're a four-year student athlete for the most part, how far out do these long-term goals go and what are they? Um, so these long-term goals that we have is really trying to set the president of what will kind of be expected for SAC to be doing and really trying to set a standard for student athletes as well. Um, so again, going back to getting athletes to other games, we really want student athletes to feel like welcome to other people's games, um, because who doesn't like a big crowd, especially if it's, if it's a rowdy and supportive crowd, you know, we all love that. And so, you know, nobody understands that more than student athletes. So the more we can get them to games, I think the better the environment would be. Um, but also getting those student athletes out again to camp to, to the entire campus community, um, to really create that cat fam feel. Um, and just, you know, it's kind of that, you know, you help me and I'll help you sort of thing. So I think if we go and support other areas of campus, I think we'll see more students coming to support us during our games. And then our other one that we're looking at is we're trying to figure out a way how to purchase stoles for student athletes so they can be represented during graduation. So we're trying to figure out how to create events to get that money so that we can do that sort of thing. We're talking with Kelly Bachman, president of SAC and senior goalkeeper of the women's soccer team here at Capital University. Uh, Kelly, you can't be doing it alone and uh, you certainly are not. So tell us about your executive board. Who is on it and what roles do they play? Yeah, so I've got a great executive board. Um, it consists of four other people. I've got a vice president, who, which is held by Scott Gustine from men's baseball. Um, we have a secretary position. Uh, Izzy Jimenez holds that position from women's volleyball. Our treasurer is Joe Hartman from men's basketball. And we have a media coordinator. And that's Mackenzie Lang from women's volleyball. So it's definitely a very much a team effort. Um, you know, they're, they have, we'll say very, they have very traditional roles on paper, um, but very much if someone's passionate about something, we make it work. So if you're a treasurer, you're not, you know, yes, you're expected to handle the money the most, um, but if you really want to lead a project, by all means, we'll figure out a way for you to, to be a leader in a project. And of course, there are also many general members that comprise the student athlete advisory committee. So tell us a little bit about uh, you know, how many and what is their role in making an impact? So the, to be a general member, really all you have to do is show up to one of our meetings, which is held uh, the first Tuesday of every month and usually around nine o'clock in, in the evening. Um, and what the, actually the NCAA requires this, we have, we're supposed to have two um, two representatives from every team, um, whether or not that's a men's and women's, 
So for soccer, for instance, you have to have two boys and two girls be at the meetings, every meeting. Um, and so those members to get involved really just have to say, I want to be involved with whatever we're doing. Um, we don't, we don't really require anything particular from them. Um, obviously when it comes time to vote on legislation, we require their vote. Um, but if they, you know, it's, it's really what you put in, you're going to get out. So if you want to be really engaged in what we're doing, um, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of things come out of it and it will be really rewarding. Now, what made you want to get involved in SAC and when did that all happen? So I was introduced to SAC my freshman year. Um, I was kind of pushed into it because one of my senior teammates said, hey, we need a representative and we noticed that you're free, so you're going to go. So I was like, okay. So, um, so I went to the meeting and I ended up seeing what all they were trying to do, which again was a lot of what I've been talking about, trying to get athletes engaged. Um, and I just felt like that was a really good idea because, you know, being on a, on a women's team, uh, I definitely to some degree feel like, you know, sometimes men, men's sports get more attention than women's sports. And I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool if I just, you know, my team had more fans. Also, I just want more fans in general, cause I love having a crowd. Uh, so I just thought, you know, that'd be a great way to try and create ideas to get athletes engaged and wanting to uh, come and support people. And then also, I just thought it was really cool to be involved with the, leg the legislation from the NCAA and from all the other conferences. Now, you kind of alluded to it that there really is just a, a commitment that needs to be that's interested so uh, maybe go maybe even a step deeper for those that may be listening and this intrigues you when we get back onto campus what should a student athlete do if they do want to get involved in SAC um, so student athlete can do many things um, first and foremost they can uh, they're more than welcome to contact me uh, either via email if they can get my phone number whatever um, my email is kbachman, so K-B-A-C-H-M-A-N-N, -N, at capital.edu. Um, they're more than welcome to email me and ask me about the meetings. Um, I would hope that they would be able to ask any of, this, any of their teammates about meeting times. Um, we're pretty good about sending reminders to people, to representatives, to each team. Um, and then the coaches should also be familiar with SAC and what, like when we meet and how to get a hold of us as well. Fantastic. So uh, what kind of a role do you anticipate SAC playing in helping us not to just get back to campus, but staying safe and having as full of a sports season as we possibly can? Um, I think SAC will hopefully what I would hope that they, they become this year is we become kind of the role models for this, for all the student athletes. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to say there's a lot being asked of us for this coming year, but what is being asked of us is really important. And I think it's really important for SAC to kind of embody those things and say, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to lead by example. So, um, you know, if, if our coaches in the athletic department ask us to, you know, wear masks all day and wash our hands and take our temperature every day, you know, those are things that um, I would 
I definitely would do. Um, and I really hope that all of SAC would do and kind of help persuade people to do the same. So what else is there to say about SAC? What am I missing? What, what, what more would you like to tell anybody out there about SAC? This is your time. I think SAC is really, um, again, it's what you put in, what you, you get out, what you put in. So, um, and any, anyone who's interested in anything can, can be a part of SAC. Um, you know, I'm, I major in athletic training. Uh, we've got people who major in business, people who major in nursing. Um, you know, if you, if, if you're really interested in the business side of sports, uh, definitely get involved with SAC. We can send you to, you know, the conference meetings to get more familiar with how the conference SAC runs. Um, you know, if you're, there's just so many doors that can open from SAC. Um, I've really gotten to know, you know, work with the, with the athletic director. Um, I've been able to speak with the OAC commissioner who's at the OAC SAC meetings. Um, and it really gives me different perspectives to kind of look on to my life and how to incorporate those new ideas that I generate. Well, this sounds like a fantastic opportunity for those that are trying to gain leadership experience and learn a little bit more about how to make an impact for student athletes. So we appreciate you and all the work that you've done now going into your fourth year and now as president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And if anybody out there wants more information about uh, meeting times, places, or even just who to talk to, you can go to athletics.capital.edu slash SAC. That's S-A-A-C. And you can find more information there. And we'll make sure to put Kelly's email in the show notes in case you didn't hear it the first time so that you can reach out to her directly. So as we've been mentioning, we are speaking with Kelly Bachman, the president of SAC, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, and senior goal tender on the women's soccer team. Kelly, thank you so much for enlightening us, sharing us uh, your experiences in all of this. And uh, we're looking forward to getting back and connected here in the fall. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. This has been Kelly Bachman of the women's, scene, uh, women's soccer team talking to us a little bit about what the Student Athlete Advisory Committee is. And we will keep rolling along here in Forward Capital Crusaders after this. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Special thanks to Dixie Jeffers, Alan Yost, and Kelly Bachman for joining us on today's episode. If you would like to listen to any of our past shows, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a rating if you like the show. We'll be back on Tuesday, August 10th. And if you have an idea or a tip for an upcoming episode, log on to Anchor and leave us a message so that we can follow up. Get up to the minute information by following Cap Athletics on social media too. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Cap Crusaders and on Facebook if you search Capital University Athletics. Thanks for joining us and until next time, Cap fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Ryan Gasser. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>